Welcome back to the big run. This is a certificate to celebrate 30 years of service. And I looked at it and I said, on my first day, I was like, no, I can't do that. But I never had someone who's from my culture who I could be like, oh, I like what he's doing or what he's done. So I can be that pillar for them because if no one else is going to do it, I'll do it. I don't believe in chasing money. I believe in time. You cannot go to the shop and go buy 20 minutes of time. I owe a lot to running, so without it, I wouldn't be talking on this podcast right now. <laughs> Hi, my name is Amrit and welcome to the Big Run Podcast. Welcome back to a bitterly cold Victoria Park for a second time this week, where I'm joined by runner, coach, six-star finisher and London community manager for Tracksmith, Amrit Gatora. In this episode, I learn about how running allowed him to change paths in his career, on being a coach, representation, the marathon and more. Along for the ride to photograph the morning was Aaron McCaskill. So put some layers on and come and join us for a brisk stroll in the park. Watching me talk while I uh, reverse the car, yeah? <laughs> and that's a pass, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm good, how you doing man? Sorry for the delay. Not at all. Aaron, you good? So is that the jacket, yeah? Okay, I'm just gonna put this on you. So these are the things we're gonna hold, Amrit. Like proper like oh, okay, that's nice. True story, this is the same microphone that Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on. Little fact for you. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. They've been going since the 70s, those microphones, say. Michael Jack, Quincy Jones, I mean, if you're going to be more accurate, recorded Thriller on them. Okay. Great facts. Tough, tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're not into the history of microphones? <laughs> right, should we walk and talk? Yeah? Happy? Yeah, I'm good. Amrit, we finally got you on the big run. Um, it's been a long time coming, actually. Yeah, it has been. Like... I think it's, it's, it's probably been something that we've thought about doing for probably about six months, maybe longer. Or Six um, months, really? It might have been, yeah, it might have been. I think it's been around, but finally we're here. It is absolutely freezing. <laughs> so if you hear me talking and trying to keep myself warm, it's just because I'm just trying to generate some heat. So <laughs> That additional chattering is you just, yeah, generating extra heat. I, I, I take pride in the fact that I've, we, you know, we, we chose the coldest day in, the, in 2023 to, to record the conversation. Yeah, very true. But I think um, as we are in January, I think we're bound to get one of these days. And as a, someone who, we, who likes the... I don't, do I like the winter? I don't think I do. I think I prefer the summer. I used to like the winters more than anything. But now it's just because when you're thinking about running, it's about all those layers. Um, but it is what it is. It doesn't look like a... We're in Victoria Park, so it does make it look pretty picturesque, which is always quite nice. Um, but not gonna lie, it is bloody cold. <laughs> Ideal training, like are you are you uh, like if you could pick a block, like a, a period in the year to train in, like oh summer. Yeah. I don't even have to think about it. I think I think about three four years ago, I transitioned from one 
from that person who used to love just winter grinding miles and whereas I had a really good summer block and I think it was just the fact that you get more daylight mm. makes it so much more practical from a work-life balance and um, you just feel a little bit better also heat training is a poor man's altitude if you want to go down that route <laughs> um, but just great way to, for your body to learn and adapt and react to certain situations and end of the day you can't really predict what you get on a race situation but um, as long as you can prepare yourself in the best I do yeah prefer the, prefer the lovely summer nights you say the word grind and when I think of the word grind I I, I, I think of you like <laughs> you're someone who has like ground down your marathon time mm. and really been so kind of consistent in your kind of dedication to chipping away at your marathon time i think you posted a reel i think it was after i can't remember what marathon it was after was it after new york or something i i it was i think it was in the build-up to london okay um, and i i captured all the london marathons that i had done mm -hmm. and it was at that point i had 10 photos 10 moments of my life of my running journey especially for london and i just put them all together just not because of the purpose of oh hey look at me type of thing i did it because like there's people out there like me in that time window thinking how do i get quicker what does it look like and for me to share that it was just coming from almost under five hours to like a two under two under three hours for like 250 ish if if, like, if i can do it anyone can do it like i don't want to sound like this massive person that can like well everyone is like a cliche type thing but literally like it's it's just consistency over the over the time i'm wanting to show what consistency can breed and like i'm just an everyday person that has fallen in love with running from a quite an early age bearing in mind i was never active in school like no, I, was, I was i always liked sports but i was never running through school like did cross country all that sort of stuff so i've kind of fallen into it and the marathon as my poison quite late <laughs> quite quite late on into uh, the normal running sort of academic and um yeah i started i picked it up sort of as a 17 18 year old so mm. yeah that yeah it was great to showcase that because it gave it gives people inspiration hope mm. and like not to give up keep showing up mm. day in day out and end of the day i i owe a lot to running so without it i wouldn't be talking on this podcast right now <laughs> talk to me about that process of falling in love with it then like has it always been like if we were going to think of it in terms of like a relationship has it always been a a loving sort of uh, yeah. a harmonious relationship or have you had difficult times i think yeah you, you naturally get difficult moments during running but the way i picked up running was literally it's, it's a long long time ago it's almost it's almost 20 years ago when i watched kelly holmes win her double olympic mm -hmm. in athens and at that point in my life i was like eight, 17 18 or whatever it was and i'd, I'd come out of um like physical education at school i'd come out that sort of being social with my friends and i wanted to do something for myself that's something i could pick up for myself so i literally went to the park west ham park uh which is in east london and just did a lap of the grass came back the next day did a couple more third fourth days just gradually building up and i genuinely enjoyed the the feeling that it gave me and I signed up to a couple of races like a first 5k and then I've always I've always wanted to do London Marathon I've always think I've always had a positive experience had that first one gone not as well as it could have I think it could have had a negative effect on how I approached the marathon and how I 
how I viewed it. But I, I enjoyed the day. I enjoyed the day. It was difficult as, as anything that I've ever done in my whole life. And like I'd always seen it as a way that I could spend time on my own. Like I know like people like watching movies or like read a book, but I found running to be that one thing where I could just switch off. Even to this very day, I leave because if, if I'm running locally, I can leave my phone at home and I can just disconnect because I find it so difficult sometimes if I'm busy in a busy lifestyle just to switch off for an hour. And it sounds really, really silly to do that, but running sometimes can make me do that because I'm just it's just me, it's my time, I'm in control of that particular time and I think I've always had that connection that it's always made me feel free regardless of what is going on good days bad days it's just always enabled me to be in control and just literally just go and literally go where you want to where you want to go is that something that you didn't have previously before you discovered running I don't think I did to be honest I think I was probably too young to know what it was that I was looking for I don't it's not like I was searching for it mm. in a particular way I just kind of just found it and I gradually turned it from like a, a hobby, something I enjoyed doing like once or twice a week into essentially a lifestyle. I remember that moment where I was like, this has become like part and parcel. I couldn't live without it in a way. And like, obviously you have your up and down moments when say you get hurt or you get injured and you, you realize how much it actually means to you for your physical state of mind, your mental state of mind, and um, just being able to share and connect, um, doing something that you enjoy doing. I think that, that those moments when like a in like a running journey are probably the most pivotal mm -hmm. because it really makes you value do you love it enough to keep doing it and that's probably goes back to the whole consistency like that though all those years that i have been running has shown my love for to, to keep coming back regardless if you get your backside handed to you on a race day or a marathon mm -hmm. it's just given me that always a chance to to come back and to see and i think that's one of the reasons why I love the marathon because I think it's that risk reward of mm. it could be the best day of your life <laughs> it could also be the worst day of your life so you just never quite know <laughs> what you're going to get but it's yeah it's just one of them where I yeah just I I love the torture of it I think the suffering and is there a little bit of you yeah, I think leaning into that a little bit I think so I think so like New York was probably one where I absolutely hated it and like obviously it was a tough day it was super super hot and humid etc but i said to myself i hate this but you get you you get yourself to the end like you have to get yourself to the end mm -hmm. and then once it's over you're just like wow like what was that and like there's mo those moments which really make you appreciate how tough and how tough like maybe doing a marathon uh, really is for that aspect of running do you, do you worry sometimes, it's interesting you were saying then like you remembered that moment where it was like a penny drop moment that like oh this is my, this is my life now, this is my lifestyle, like this mm. is you know a large part of who, of, of how I identify you know and how I present myself to the world. Is there, is there a worry that you're almost, that's almost taking over who you are completely as a person? Do you ever worry about that? Um, I There's think just too much of who you are. I think I've I've got different identities, like different like I've got my family life, Amory. I've got my sort of prof not professional. When I was working in corporate, like it felt like a professional life, Amory. Then I had my running life. Okay. It's almost like I was wearing like different types of hats for different scenarios. Whereas running has sort of enabled me to also like 
portray my personality mm. very I'm a, I, I like to think I'm quite easygoing um, fairly laid back and um, just trying to be as genuine as and honest about it as possible and I think running um, creates that that scenario where you can share good and bad moments mm. very much so and I feel as if like it's okay to be rubbish at something it's okay to be awful at it's okay to share it so it's okay to feel like you're doing well at something and I feel like as an identity point of view I feel like it's the best expression of me and I've naturally found that in sharing it in running more um, it's kept me honest more than anything and I feel as if yeah without it I mean I'm not sure how I would express myself in a way Have people from those other, I suppose, those other different sort of social circles that you were talking about, have they noticed the change in you since you've gone yeah. on this journey? Do they see like a, a different side, or do they see that true expression of yourself that you're talking I th- about? I think I think they always knew that I was destined to do something away from. So I, outside of uh, running, I was I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer. I worked in aerospace for like eight or nine years. Like during that period of time, obviously I was running. Every time I was to go to work, in uh, where I used to where I used to work, it was talking about running. It was get I got people into running through there. We used to talk about it all the time. I got many people to start park runs. So there was always there that push and that pull, and like mm-hmm. it almost felt like I was trying to escape that life to f- to, to go and make running and that part of my life my. F- passion it's a big passion it started it's a massive passion of mine and I feel very fortunate and very lucky to be able to find that because believe me or not I've been trying for a long time to realize and try and convey it in a way that I can make that transition so I'd always been around it I'd always thought about it as the years progressed and the more and more I did it the more and more I grew to love it even more so and I think that's why you start to think oh I want to do something like I want to be able to try and do this as a as a something as a full-time full-time gig type of thing and um fortunately the penny sort of dropped like through the pandemic more than anything through the pandemic um situations became in a way that i was made redundant from my role and i'd always wanted to i think i'd wanted to leave um engineering but you have to leave to do something else you have to leave to do something else as a, from a security point of view from a from a family point of view just as a being able to earn money etc and it was forced out of my hand in a way and then it made me think um I started doing some more stuff on social media started a YouTube channel and that element of that period of time gave me great confidence being able to talk putting yourself in front of a camera talking to people who are strangers across the world is daunting I'm not gonna lie it is daunting (laughs) as hell even to this day like it might seem it's very very natural but I can tell you there's a whole many hours of bloopers behind all that and I think that gave me a hell of a lot of confidence to be able to talk to people resonate with them connect with them just make him feel like I am them but just in a different part of their journey and I think that's the biggest thing that I try to do that uh, especially as a coach especially doing stuff on on online through running talking about it and just makes it relatable Mm. and I think that's the one thing that I would always want to be is have keep my integrity credibility 
because it is we're very relatable we're not i'm not a professional not at all i'm just someone that's loved running and wants to share and empower other people to have those successes that i feel as if that i've had along the way that transition i suppose like you were saying the, the pandemic kind of forced your hand mm. it forced a lot of people's hands i mean it did, yeah i wouldn't be having this conversation with you you know if it hadn't been for the pandemic i probably would have still been on stage being being an actor but it's it forced a lot of people's hands but for for those people that you were talking about earlier and the different sort of you know circles of your life what did they think of you saying like i, I think i'm gonna go i'm gonna put all my you know put all my chips in the middle of the so, table i'm going all in what was their take on that so, so I, I i saw my old uh, colleagues and my friends i uh, went to a wedding last year one of my ex-colleagues weddings and obviously i was a coach at the time and they were like we always knew you would do this like you was being wasted like being That's working in engineering and like they could see from the way i was talking about it and like, they could see the way that i was like i think it was just confidence um not that i was doing it on purpose or putting on a show it's just me talking about something that i love to do and i think that's where i realized what passion and work like i don't feel like doing stuff in running feels like work it's just fun it's just good fun and i enjoy it so much and like i've always seen people say that um if you can enjoy your passion and do it for a job you're lucky and i feel incredibly lucky so yeah, I think they always knew that I was. So there wasn't like a, oh my god, what the hell are you doing? Like, no, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't take a salary for like eighteen months, post in, during the pandemic, to that point. So it was a bloody struggle. But I think, I, I don't, sh I don't share like those elements, Why not? so much. I don't know because it feels, yeah, just there's certain things which I feel like I, is necessary to keep private. Mm and there's certain things which I feel like have value to be shared and mm. something like that for me um, reads quite strong because I'd always want to be able to provide value rather than I've always believed in quality over quantity mm. doesn't mean that if you have it you have to share it mm. um, so I think there's always that in the element of my mind um, and if, you feel, if it feels if it feels natural if it feels true to your heart and your gut then yeah it feels right to share that's really I think that's really interesting as an idea and I think it's also really valid in terms of that idea of putting that thought out into the universe of like considering what you share I yeah because there's, there's there's a lot there's saturated a, yeah there's a there's what, a lot and I feel like there's everyone has an identity and like I have an identity personality and I feel like that's who you are and that's you you shouldn't really feel like you need to change it for someone else or change it for other people to make you feel better like or to f try and fit into a massive pool because you cannot do that you really cannot do that because there's always going to be someone else there's always going to be something that gets attention there's always going to be plethora of things that are going to occur and it's just not worth it mm. and if you can keep stay true to yourself and you believe in what you believe in that's enough and that's for me that's enough for others it might not be so much but for me it's fine and i'm happy with that It is uh, it's interesting when you sort of think about it in a way to a point like I, I don't know I, I just try not to overthink things otherwise it's just wasted energy in a way that it creates pressure like anxiety 
and that ability to make a clear-cut decision. Mm. Um, I think it's important to be firm in things that you believe in and something that if you want to defend something, if, uh, if for a decision-making process, then yeah, it feels right. Got mm. If someone challenges you, challenge you and your argument's strong enough, then you should be able to hold your own. And I think that's part and parcel of being an engineer, mm. being good at problem solving, being um, good at decision-making, back decision uh, decision that you need to make backed with um, the evidence that supports it in a way and I think there's elements that cross over from my personality engineering life how I've grown up into the running world because as coaches and as coaching is problem just problem solving mm. I'm just problem solving people's lives and how to get to A to B to fit in C D E F G mm. and get them in the best possible way it's, just, it's all it is it's just helping people go on a journey that enables them to balance it around a mutual love for things that we like to share with each other and that's running and all I'm doing is just facilitating that and giving them the, op the opportunity and the guidance on how to do things it's not rocket science you can get the stuff off the internet you can download it off a PDF but what I try to do in this walk of life is just guide people on certain things they should do talk to them mentor them make it not i'm not their coach i'm their friend more than anything and i think that's something that i like to make known like i'm always there for them um i would never ever if someone said to me hey amri i haven't spoken to you for like two months and you're supposed to be helping me on my running journey i'd feel mortified by that because i'd feel as if i cut them adrift just because of was it a monetary thing? It doesn't. I don't. I don't care about that. It's just, it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's great that it's. Um, I'm able to to utilize it and monetize that element, but it's not something that I chase. I don't believe in chasing money because I believe like in your in our lifetime we can earn as much as we want. We can also lose it at the same time. I believe in time, like you cannot go to the shop and go buy 20 minutes of time making the most of your time is so important and I think that's what made me realize even earlier on when I was working in engineering how much time meant to me and how much I felt running because when you are running you feel like you have all the time in the world it feels so effortless and so amazing sometimes that it really made me value how and what I wanted to choose and spend my time with and that's where the pandemic came in because we had all this time we had all this time and it's almost like how do I utilize it and then it just kind of just snowballed in a way that just became a bit more creative in a way that I wanted to think about what I wanted to do and obviously I started coaching during the pandemic did my qualifications and made sure that that was all okay and just put myself out there because the biggest thing that's going to stop you is fear and I remember May 2020 I was messaged Ben Parks YouTuber at the time person I've in very much inspired by because of what his journey has been like very similar to mine in terms of like a marathon journey and he gave me the time he gave me an afternoon and he said to me hey you've got a you have an audience you have people who look up to you put yourself in front of a camera and just hit the post button and just see what happens and that, I remember that to this day I remember it to this day and it is like it is like that. if people if, if you can connect with people and if you're humble if you're got good energy about you it'll be fine and I believe in that
I think what is really interesting just listening to what you're saying as well is like and I think right now people who are on social media in the running space and who offer coaching hot topic at the moment <laughs> very 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 hot and we're very not, hot I'm not going to use this platform I mean uh, I can talk about the inside and outside which you can listen to in your own time <laughs> and you might not want to share it but there's a lot of well this is this nonsense is, this is there's a lot of nonsense and I, I, I don't want this podcast episode to become about that or it's like, gonna be good clickbait though <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good clickbait if you want to go down that route no i'm not gonna go down that route because what i'm interested in is is something you said earlier is um the knowledge is available like you can get yeah, the, you can find it online you can find the the training principles you can find uh, the training methodologies it's all very easily accessible but what the kind of important conduit is 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 who that individual is delivering that training and people want a support they want a support network and they want to talk to someone else maybe who not necessarily has been who has been there and done it it's not about that because there's good coaches out there who are not essentially the best runners but it's been able to just give them the direction and being a leader for them mm-hmm. and just helping them make good decisions um, that's going to benefit them and I feel as if it's more than just like coaching them, it's, it, I essentially, I look at it as like a mentorship in a way um, into the running journey. And like I said, yeah, there's a, there's a vat or there's a, there's a whole bucket of stuff out there. But how do you know if that's right for you? How do you know what to do when um, a PDF says you need to do this? Because that's all like cookie cutter programs. Mm. One, but... I, yeah, I just, it's just a case of being reactive, being adaptable to life situations. Um, and sometimes people who are new to running can't quite make that decision on their own. Mm. That's why I think it's important just to, just to help them, guide them, um, help them make a good decision that enables them to get the best out of them, makes them feel, go- feel good phys- physically and mentally. Um, and if along the way they do some things that they've never done before, that's a win-win situation. I'm interested just going a bit back on, on on your story, kind of what was your life before you discovered running? Let's go right back. Let's like growing up, like it, it was sport and fitness or Yeah, I always used to do sporty at school, yeah. Was it always I on your radar in some way, shape or form? Yeah, I always used to do like I was obviously I did running through like PE. I used to love PE. Did you? Yeah, best. I loved, hated it. I loved it. I used to play hockey. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to do hockey. I used okay. to play. I was very, very active. I had a bike. Always loved sports. Always felt where I could get myself involved, I would do so. But then I also had to look after the other academic subjects as well. So, oh, okay. Um, so I managed to call. I managed to get good grades. Uh, well, clearly, two, 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 I've got two degrees, but I don't use. I don't. I, I use them in today's walk on life, but differently. So what are the two degrees? I've got a bachelor's in engineering uh, product design and I've got a master's in design engineering like specific So you're about mechanic- math, a BA and an MA, or um, a, B- a B- BA and an M. BSc and an MSc. But you wouldn't know that, right? God, your email signature must be massive. <laughs> oh no, I, I don't put it on there. That's an ego, that's an ego flex, which I notice in corporate world is like uh, you can't keep up because there's people who are chartered, there's people who have got all these other d- d- signatures, and yeah, ah, whatever. <laughs> don't need that. And did you have? Do you, have you got siblings? I do. Yeah, I've got. I'm the youngest of four. Um, mm. 
got two older sisters and an older brother. Okay, and what do they make of your your kind of where you are now? I haven't think they're proud. Yeah, of course they yeah. are. They're, they're proud. They've always backed and supported uh, me running at the start. It's like, um, oh, he's running good for you. Is that good for your knees? <laughs> uh, that sort of that's typical sort of um, feedback you get from those who are not like even in my family, my culture. I mean, Asians and Indians don't really run. It doesn't happen. Like one thing for me is that like over the last two, three, four years where maybe the visibility has been a bit higher mm. for me personally, that I, me growing up as like a 17, 18 year old looking at running and coming into the first, for the first time, two of my inspirations were Kelly Holmes and Paula Radcliffe, two women. They were the ones that always stand out. And, but I never had someone who's from my culture who I could be like, oh, I like what he's doing or what he's done. So if there's other people out there right now who are coming into running where and it kind of it kind of feels full circle in a way right now where i can get a lot of people into running through coaching some stuff that i'm doing obviously with tracksmith and i can be that pillar for them because if no one else is going to do it i'll do it mm. and i feel very strongly about that because where we are diversity all this sort of stuff is paramount in terms of just getting more people more cultures more people integrated into sport because it can open up many 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 wonderful pathways mm -hmm. and if the more of us can share that the more connected we can feel together 100 percent. i think the pathways word i think is really interesting because i think it's not just about being like show this person that i'm a runner because maybe they go and win olympic gold mm -hmm. like that might it might be the trajectory which is amazing yeah but it might be like what if they become a coach what if they become a a running podcaster or a photographer or whatever do you know what there's, I mean there's like, so many avenues which mm. have just seemed to spark out now and like I, I'm not too sure if it was like this two three years ago I don't know maybe I wasn't not as oblivious to it but yeah you can become a photographer a videographer you can work on behind the scenes of the from the creative side going to YouTube photography uh, the coaching element work as volunteers just there's a lot of things you can do in running and make yourself useful again if it resonates with that individual and they like to do that and they want to get involved then they'll find what feels right for them mm -hmm. but yeah absolute amazing sort of things that can happen through running and I think some of my best uh, life experiences and things that opportunities have come out from it have been through running simply just going out the door and just go for a run it's just mind-boggling it's just a bit what have been the highlights what, what what kind of stands out for you oh i've been, been able to travel the world um run some incredible races meet some incredible people um work with some amazing brands and now to say that i can do that full time i, I don't know what else to, i could yeah i feel incredibly grateful for certain elements um that have shaped my decision because I, I very much believe like everything happens for a reason Okay, so we've just, the big runs just invented a time travelling machine. If you could go back to the younger Amrit, who's like still maybe working in aerospace engineering, maybe not enjoying his job, like what would you say to that younger version of yourself about where you are now? Oh, just keep doing it, man. Just, yeah, like if you enjoy doing it, you, you commit time to it. Just keep, keep, keep going for it. Like I, th I think for me, like I remember when I first started on my first day at work uh, in engineering, you know, like when you go through the company, you go for a company tour, all that sort of stuff. And I remember seeing, like, because um, I was working at BAE Systems, and there was a plaque on a guy who was sitting in the corner with Doffin. It had like a, it said, "Dead whoever, 
you, this is a certificate to celebrate 30 years of service. And I looked at it and I said, on my first day, I was like, no, I can't do that. So <laughs> I always, I always, I think I had running as a way of keeping me sane. I mean, That's quite a profound thing to think your first day of work to be I could done all of that studying, all yeah. of that training. Yeah. It's day one, BA Systems, like big company to be joining. I mean I just thought to myself, I can't I don't I don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And I can't say I never I, I hated my job. I never I can't say I enjoyed it, but I never loved it. I enjoyed to do it and to take a salary, all that sort of stuff. But once I'd left the office, I'd left it. I didn't want to think about it type of thing. So I could do it. I Don't get me wrong, I could do it maybe for five, ten years longer, but would I enjoy it? Probably not. And would I love it? No. Jesus. Please don't. Please don't fall over during the, during the podcast recording. So just going back when we were talking a bit then about um, representation and, and stuff within the, within the running space, that word, is, I feel like it's used... A lot. It's used a lot. I feel like sometimes... I don't know, think people know what it actually means. This is my point, because I, I feel like it's like people say, and it's like, great, whew, we've said that, yeah. lovely stuff, base is covered. It's like, I don't feel like it's interrogated enough, and I say this from as a white, middle-class, cis, male individual... What do you think needs to be done for there to be a deeper understanding of what that word actually means? What does it mean to you? And how can you see that sort of being implemented so that people yeah, can really kind of dig underneath the true meaning of that word? I think for me, I don't preach about it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in preaching about it. I just basically showcase myself doing something which I love to do. Mm-hmm. And that just puts eyes on you. And if people from other backgrounds, from other cultures, other walks of life see that, then it's like, oh, that guy's, he's like, he's from, he's British, he's Asian, he's Sikh, like he's doing cool stuff. Amazing. Good for him. That's fine. I think for me, that's fine. I don't need to say that I need to go and join, um, get a group of us together. I haven't gone down that route as yet. I think naturally, if people can see someone doing good things in a running space, being a leader, doing stuff, I think they'll see that and open their eyes and then naturally they'll come. Mm. I believe in that route. Mm. I think if people can be seen to be doing stuff, putting actions against things rather than just words, that's better from a diversity point of view. Because a lot of people can talk about things, how things need to change, how things need to be done. We need to get more people involved. But how do you do that though? If you don't put those people in front to dictate and to attract people, how are they going to come? they can't see it because like I said at the start if me growing up as a young runner young Amrit can't see those people how do I know what to look up to like for example 100 Days to London program for Tracksmith just started in London if they see someone up there who is from a cultural background it can only be good from their point of view seeing that oh this brand, this image, this company, or this, this, this community that's being built has someone who's like myself. And they can tell their friends, all that sort of stuff. I think it's important. But I don't, I don't want to ever go down the route, and I don't think I will, of having to preach about it because it's just, it's not my style. 
Mm. So have you never been to like not tempted but like thought about sharing more about your heritage or about you know being a Sikh man and stuff like that including that as part of the there's elements of I I could share more about it and my story obviously my background but it doesn't no it doesn't it doesn't I don't think it needs to because it's me it's me as a person it's me like it doesn't I don't want to stick a label on it I'm still a runner and like when I turn up to a park run we're all just there to race each other Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh gonna, my God, it's the parkrun police. I'm going to say it. I go to parkrun to race, okay? You might go to socialise, but I go there to turn up and just do the best I can. But there might be people there be like, oh, I don't want to get beaten by this guy because he's not the same skin type. I don't care. Whatever. I never thought, I've never had a bad experience of being, being made to feel to be left out. I'm not. It hasn't occurred to me. I've had it in, like... I mean, I'm Sikh. I, I traditionally I, I wear I wear a turban, but outside of that, it might have occurred. Like young, a young like being young in London, you used to get like the the racial comments, all that sort of stuff. But I've grown grown to just ignore the ignorance more than anything. Whereas in running, it hasn't really happened as much. Um, it's it's inclusive enough, but you do see visibility that when you do go to certain events and certain um, different sections, that yeah, there's not a lot of um, diversity for sure yeah. but yeah that's I'm where you have to you got again i think it takes it takes a lot of people to make a big change one person on its own is a tall order a hundred percent and it's not that one person's responsibility yeah. and i think running is so analogous for for so many other things and i think you can apply the the kind of the running analogy to, to the, this kind of representation sort of discussion that we're having like it's that consistency that will bring about that change like mm. brick by brick over yeah, time and like the more it becomes normalised the more it will push but you're right there's so there's, I mean I was at a cross country race last Saturday and this is not about putting the club system under the bus mm. not about that at all but it was there's so much more that can be done but I I, I put an application in for my local club well your local athletics club Havering AC uh -huh. they're rejecting my application on the basis of what I don't know you tell me so if I can't get into my local club as a good runner in my where I live well, how is someone who's starting off trying to supposed to do that that is absolutely bonkers so, did you did you follow up with them? Did you? Well, I, I've applied many times. Um, in, in, in as a result of that, I joined Belgrave Harriers because they offered me a spot, a spot because they were like, "We want you to come and join our team." But my local club said no, and I've asked many, many times. I mean, I'm actually. I mean, I'm not. I'm talking, but I'm actually genuinely speechless. This That's is kind this of is not. A, yeah, I don't want. I don't want it to make it sound like this is like a me slating and I'm just pointing stating out the facts that a club which is local to me which has a local track which I want to actually run and train on I'm not allowed to go and do that because I'm not a member well that's bonkers and I can't understand what their logic would be and it's really disappointing and like their loss is Belgrave Harriers gay is it Belgrave Harriers yeah, say? yeah. Great I mean it's not local to me but it's uh, they've shown great interest they've shown great uh, um just come, come and run with us, simple as that. We would love to have you on board and that's enough.
I don't know. Maybe it's bonkers. it's bonkers, and maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's not, or maybe it's maybe it's the sort of the, I think the, I think the, the worst version of the story. I think the reasoning was is that they had a lot of distance runners in their in their club. They didn't need any more, which is just a bit weird. <laughs> Whatever. Right now, Athletics Club need all the members they can friggin' get. Like they need they need depth. Like they need that monthly or the yearly fee. Like yeah, that's crazy. Well. Hmm. Mm, I'm gonna, we're gonna leave the long pause for the listeners to maybe fill in the blanks there for for the reasoning and uh, logic behind that kind of decision. But on a different note, still talking about running, you're running, mm-hmm. it's 2023, mm-hmm. two marathons back to back. I hear. Yeah, I've, I hear. <laughs> I mean, I've got a place for Boston. Um, obviously, I've got a place for London. I mean, it would be, be foolish not to think about London mm-hmm. when you can get a place. Um, hundred days to go. Hundred days to go. Um, I think um, it's a crazy, crazy thing to want to do, but I think, I mean, I'm a massive Kipchoge fan. Uh, working for a brand that's based out in Boston, it would be crazy for me to miss it. It would be absolutely crazy, and I can then go and enjoy it. I can then go enjoy London, and take the pressure off, help someone achieve one of their goals, because I'm going to flat out right say that I'm the best pacer in London. So anyone who wants to come join a bus, I'll announce what time we'll do and I'll guide you to the goal. But yeah, I think the plan would be to race Boston um, because it's a racist course. Mm-hmm. Very much, very much is. It's uh, one of the ultimate tests, I think, for someone to go out and put their heart out on that course because it's not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky enough to obviously to have gone there and run a sub three already um that would be the minimum goal <laughs> to put that on the line again and uh and then obviously take the pressure off and then uh, use that week to recover and then just um offer a pacing service for the london marathon that sounds a logical thing to do you can ask me what happens when we're in that week and it's like yeah i'm gonna go for it and then get 20k into the London Marathon thing, and you absolute idiot. <laughs> just get someone to scrape you off the floor from, yeah. uh, from sort of mile 18 onwards uh, oh. to see how that pans out. So, Boston and then London. But I mean, you and you, you mentioned this earlier. You've you've you've, you've got the six. Mm-hmm. Which one carries the most significance for you as a race that you'll kind of always hold dear, or is it like kind of picking favourite children? You do love them all equally. Um, it's a tough question. Um, that's actually quite tough to answer. I think the one that means the most is obviously Boston because it was the six. Um, that was the last one. Yeah, that was the last one okay. to, com- to complete the series. London has been the backbone. It's been the staple along the whole, well, every marathon that I've done really. That's always been the staple. The one that always. Be- that means the most and like it felt like it was an amazing experience it was probably New York the one of the, f- the third second or third one that I did it was just because it was just a huge marathon weekend but then like I, I can answer that question in many different ways like the toughest Boston the most scenic Tokyo the the staple London the fastest Berlin where I've my PB the most amazing weekend is New York so it's different it's hard to answer that in one specific way if I was to say don't worry they're not listening Amrit they're not no. going <laughs> to no. They might be. <laughs> like Chicago is just. I'm sorry for anyone who's doing Chicago. It's just a bit. Blah, poor man's New York. <laughs> but, Very consciousness as Aaron, who is taking all these beautiful photographs that are accompanying this podcast episode, is. You're running Chicago, right? 
<laughs> you can run quick, but it's, there's, there's, yeah, you can have better time somewhere else. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, yeah, Berlin, Berlin's great, but it's not the it's not the most um, populated in terms of support. That has to go to New York, and I think has a weekend activation for family if you want to go out there, uh, enjoy the marathon weekend. Hands down, the best. In terms of looking back over your kind of whole kind of running journey, now this, these are questions that I traditionally pose sort of towards the end of the conversation, expansive questions. Like looking back over your whole kind of running career, talking earlier, 20 years now almost, of, of being connected and involved in, this, in the sport, have there been any particular failures or particular moments within that journey where things haven't quite gone to plan that have taught you a great deal? I think... I think because it's um, always been like, uh, it's obviously started off as like a hobby and a lifestyle whereas whereas now I've kind of started a journey into sort of working in running mm-hmm. um, so I was, there's a hell of a lot to learn in terms of navigating um, especially for me being part of the community side of things with Tracksmith navigating what we put out there as a brand um, trying to be as inclusive as possible and making sure we are what we say we are mm-hmm. So I think there's a hell of a lot of learning for me personally as a community manager, looking after a programme, trying to get people on the start line for the London Marathon. So what I find in that is saying what you want to do is one thing, actually doing it. I think there's a huge learning curve that I'll undergo, um, just trying to make sure that people are accounted for and making feel like we can be a welcoming enough community. And I think out of that, just comes through experience through like I think some of the biggest failures that I've had in running I've obviously probably been through um, not fulfilling goals more than anything and I and also from an injury perspective mm. um, because it's always made me value um, again why I was doing it do I want to come back to it because I've never been one of these people that's taken up running done it for a little bit and then gone and done another sport I know it can happen quite often. It's always I've always had that as the form. It's probably the only thing I'll ever do. I mean, I used to play tennis for my university team. I used to play for Brunel, yeah. I used to play tennis. Okay. But And ho- you talk about hockey area as well, right? Yeah, I think that's just when we used to do it as like um, a okay. sports. I used, to, I used to play tennis, I used to love it, but I never did it enough to, to sort of do it longer and prolong it. Mm. Um, so I think the biggest failures for me have probably been through injury, learning about... Um, and again it comes back to being a good decision maker learning when to back off in certain situations so you don't go down a long road of heartache of not being able to do what you enjoy to do and I think those failures um, I think when you, when you look at failures and like oh I haven't hit a goal I haven't hit a time is it a failure in the grand scheme of things not really no it's not it's just a moment in time where the clock beat you and in reality it doesn't really matter it really doesn't matter because if you feel like that's given you enough motivation to come back and beat that so-called failure the failure was meant to happen because it gave you enough belief and ammo to make sure that never happened again love that are there any uh, are there any myths out there in the running space that you'd like to take this opportunity to debunk? I think good good sleep 
good balanced diet. Don't be a dick. Our key to success in running. The rest of it is just PR nonsense. Right. Just do the basics. Just cover the basics. I tell this to all my athletes that I coach. Just don't be dicks. Do the basics. Sleep right. Oh, so-and-so. Why didn't you uh, run well? Oh, it's because um, I'd only got four hours of sleep. There we go then. There we go. Get eight hours of sleep and then you'll see what happens. I'm not naming any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a lovely note to end the conversation on. Amrit, thank you for, for freezing to death slowly in Victoria Park and coming on the big run. Thank you so much, Danny, for having me. Thank you, Aaron, for being here. And it's time to get warm. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Lovely. Lovely. Really happy with that. We went. Tracksmith's 100 Days to London programme is in full swing. If you are training for London, then check out some of the events they are putting together to help you get ready to run. I'll put some links in today's show notes. A big thank you to Aaron McCaskill from Created for Runners for shooting the beautiful imagery that accompanies today's episode. To Tracksmith for the layers that kept us warm and stylish. And to Amrit for braving the cold and coming on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please follow us on Instagram, leave a review, spread the word, and I'll see you next time for The Big Rump.